At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock, and you thought you tripped me up, but you were wrong, you wily minx. <laughs> well, you know, I can't win them all. <laughs> been away for a bit, and now it's been a very long week, but I'm coming back to you with a new audio setup, so um, we'll see if this fancy recording arm mounted precariously to my desk does me any favors. There is both a windscreen and a pop filter on this bad boy now, so we'll see how that treats me. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. Deluxe, I'm telling you. I gotta catch up. I don't have a windscreen. All right. (laughs) Well, you know, we can't all be pros. (laughs) Okay. You are um, undeniably more of a pro than I can to get (laughs) way more money out of doing this than I, but... We get the same money out of this particular project, but... Out of this specific one, perhaps. I was gonna say, let's be specific here. No, fair. So what did you bring me? This does bear clarifying. This is gonna be one that some people will take quarrel with, might say, that's not actually a cryptid. Why are you doing this? And one, we've been doing this for quite some time. We will eventually run out of cryptids. But two, this is a cryptid, so heck you. It's also our show. And we can do what we want. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you like it, you should be one of the other 50 cryptid podcasts on iTunes. There are new ones popping up constantly. I like to think that we did that. But, you know, I also don't want to... That was us. Maybe. Hard to say. Anyway, we are going to talk about one of my favorite little weird pockets of Americana, which is Crossroads Demons. <gasps> oh my god. Okay, here's the thing. If angels were allowed to be talked about on the show before, then demons are allowed to be too. And this is just a subset of them. So For sure, defo. Uh, but yes, yeah, so not just demons, but specifically crossroads demons or crossroads devils, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, you know, there is some distinction between the two. But the most important thing here is the crossroads aspect. That's what shows mm-hmm. up time and time and time and time and time again. So I would love to know, first of all, what you know about crossroads devils. Okay, so I've got a couple. Mm -hmm. There's the pop cultural thing, and then there's the, like, Americana, like, history thing. There's the whole, like, uh, urban legend that Robert Johnson sold his soul Mm -hmm. to the devil at the crosswalk to get his amazing guitar playing abilities. Heck yeah. In retrospect, as much of a, like, cool folksy story as that is, it definitely was, like, a way for, like, racists to be like, that's why this man is good at thing. Um, But... Like, that definitely feels like there was some of that in there to me. It's like, he couldn't possibly be talented on his own. Then there's also, uh, like, they pop up all throughout. Like, there's a character in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? who's loosely based on Robert Johnson, who's a Mm -hmm. guitarist who sold his soul to a devil at the crossroads. I watched the first five seasons of Supernatural, and Crossroads Demons pop up many times. Yeah. Like, most things in that show probably would have been better if they'd only popped up once. Mm Mm-hmm. But hey, what can you do? They pop up time and time again. And then like it's just a it's just a cool like kind of ghost story 
sort of staple that pops up again and again. Go to the crossroads in the middle of the night, make a deal with mm-hmm. the devil. Yep, pretty much. And so cross sell your soul for what your heart <laughs> desires. All right. Yeah, crossroads demons are uh, fun to read about and fun to write about. Um, I don't know if you've ever written anything about crossroads demons. I have. I wrote. I wrote an story about a crossroads. Well, it was a crossroads devil, not a crossroads demon. But yeah, they're just they're a very fun way to play with the idea. And we'll talk about this more both implicitly and explicitly. But they're a fun way to play with the idea of. Not quite liminal spaces, but these spaces that exist in the passage from one to another. So Mm -hmm. crossroads are metaphorically and literally a space where two roads intersect. Right. Right. And so a place where you might have people from very different walks of life crossing paths with each other. So the idea of them becoming places where life and death sort of come to a head with each other is not unusual. And in fact, it's centuries old. This idea of a crossroads being a place where the the creatures from one side of our existence and the creatures from this plane of existence can interact with each other and maybe exchange favors or exchange just conversation or exchange experiences or trade places like that is a really 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 enduring thought in mm-hmm. so many traditions not just eurocentrically speaking oh yeah i was actually just going to bring up and it's not quite the same thing but there is some overlapping conversation about the fact that in um japanese uh japanese like lauren and actually i think a couple other east asian countries the number mm-hmm. 4 is associated with death and bad luck yeah and just like to point that out, since at a crossroads, you have how many paths? Ooh. Yeah, that's cool. That's one that I had not considered. I did know that about the number four, but that didn't even cross my mind. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's awesome. The origin of it is like more likely to be that there's like similarities between like the word and like the word for death, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some crossover there. There's still a thing like similarly to how you'll still have buildings in the United States that don't have a 13th floor. Yeah, definitely. Hospital rooms, there are hospitals in Japan where room numbers won't have a four in them um, because it's a death number. Yeah. So that's my little fun fact to contribute. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we are going to uncover a lot more fun facts in the course mm. of this episode. Um, there will be more fun facts than anything else, probably. I this love is- facts and fun. This is going to be one that is maybe a little bit self-indulgent for me because it allows me to do a deep dive into a lot of like historical and cross-cultural and linguistic interest more so than like direct sightings and experiences. But um, right. I think it's pretty cool. What could be self-indulgent about a podcast where we talk for an hour and expect people to have never met us to listen? Oh, oh, what possibly? Yeah, I guess that I should really be past the point of apologism now, huh? Well, anyway, Mm -hmm. the basic idea of Crossroads Devils is pretty much what we've already set forth here. But in case you are somehow not familiar with it, there is this enduring idea in uh, typically like Southern Americana, I think is where it really thrives. Oh, definitely. The idea that uh, by going to a crossroads under specific circumstances or conditions or after performing a certain rituals, you can encounter a devil or the devil and in so doing trade something important for an unthinkable skill or talent or ability mm-hmm. and that you can sort of change the course of your life by doing this, by making this exchange, this devil's bargain, and then, you know, claiming fame or riches or what have you, and then it usually comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, 
your soul like your soul just sort of generally speaking yeah that would be that would be the base price like the the going price on the market today I know that it's not in a, a song explicitly set at the crossroads, but I always picture the devil went down to Georgia as being in a crossroads. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that is definitely like a classic crossroads devil kind of story. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. Better than you. And then they, they do a fiddle contest. And uh, spoiler alert, Johnny wins. <laughs> I freaking love Devil Went Down to Georgia. It is such a banger. Me too. The video where it's the guy like, the, the washer, like the washing oh, yes. machine <laughs> that makes that it's so good. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Devil Went Down to Georgia and Devil Went Down to Georgia 2. There is a sequel. What? You know that? It's very good. Is it just called The Devil Went Down to Georgia 2? The Devil Went Back to Georgia, ah! I think is what it's called. I'm going to lose my mind. Um, it's really good. Yeah, look it up. Devil Went Back to Georgia is also exceptional. <laughs> That's so good. I'm sorry. I won't interrupt again. Oh, yeah. No, it's a canonical sequel to a song, which I love. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, and it's very fun. Anyway, so... Crossroads Devils. Insofar as they exist in the tradition of Americana, it's most likely, and in fact, almost a given fact, that the Crossroads Devil idea comes specifically from Haitian voodoo, and the subsequent Black American culture of uh, conjure, root work, and hoodoo. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know what hoodoo is, it's defined in the definition that I found as a traditional Black American folk spirituality that developed chiefly from a blending of West African practices and beliefs. Okay. Now, this came about as a result of the transatlantic slave trade, so it's not just explicitly one country of origin. I'm not just saying Africa Mm. to be like Africa. Like, it's not that it doesn't have specific ties to specific countries and specific traditions, um, all of which are very important and should be, like, deserve to be acknowledged in isolation. But that's just not how this particular cultural concept worked. It came about specifically as a result of these cultures being mingled together by people who didn't appreciate them, right? Like, that's kind of how that went down. Um, So as a result of those West African traditions and then the, um, you know, the Caribbean traditions that they intersected with, as well as the French colonial traditions from, like, Haiti and surrounding areas, and then mingling in the Creole area Mm -hmm. down in the American South, it became this folk culture that is sort of taken on its own life. Now, this culture is heavily influenced by um, religious syncretism. And if you don't know what syncretism is, syncretism is basically a specific phenomenon that happens when forced assimilation comes into the picture. Okay. And it's where two religions sort of commingle into, I guess, counterparts of each other that then work in tandem. So, for example, in Greco-Roman mythology, mm-hmm. we know a lot of the gods as parallels to each other, Right. Right. And that's because of syncretism. It's because there were pre-existing gods that when they were then um, subsumed into this other culture, the easiest way for those religions to be quote-unquote converted was just to convince them that they'd already been practicing the same general thing. Oh, yeah. And like how Christianity has pagan stuff like the tree now and um, the rabbit imagery in Easter. Exactly, yeah, that's syncretism. Okay. So when you have a religion which is colonizing or imperializing a different folk religion usually, um, those things take on certain analogs and then the traditions and origins and, and influences all sort of take on these multiple lives. Okay, yeah. So that 
is sort of an explanation for where uh, the specific idea of crossroads devils starts to come from. Because in the initial Haitian voodoo tradition, basically the way that that hierarchy is set up is that there is a, a distant and unknowable supreme creator god. Mm -hmm. So one figure who is sort of at the top of this hierarchy, who is the creator, but functions in a way that is very removed from the day-to-day -day affairs of human beings. And those interactions are handled by these uh, spirit servants who are intermediaries called um, loa. Okay. Now, one such loa is a figure named Papa Legba. Oh, I know about Papa Legba. Yeah, Papa Legba is the loa of roads and pathways, mm -hmm. and then subsequently of crossroads, specifically. Mm -hmm. He is sometimes... Uh, but not always depicted as a trickster deity. Mm -hmm. What he actually is, is the interloper between Loa and humanity. He speaks all human languages, and he basically functions as a translator between humans and these spiritual beings. So if you want to have a communication with the spirit forces, you would appeal to Papa Legba, mm -hmm. who would be able to grant you this communication. Yeah. Or who would be able to serve as an intermediary for you. His whole deal is this idea of being a go-between, really. Right. So when we start to think of crossroads as they exist for spaces between borders or spaces outside of distinct realms and order, like, that starts to make a lot of sense, right? Absolutely. By the way, if you're listening and you're wondering why Papa Legba sounds familiar, um, a very, very different, like, kind of bastardized version of Papa Legba appears in season three of American Horror Story as a figure that Angela Bassett's character strikes a deal with for immortality. So that's... Oh, okay, pretty cool. Yeah, but that was that was my first exposure. If anyone is listening and they're like, I know I've heard this before, but I don't, I'm not familiar with this, or I'm not familiar with this at all, that's why you probably recognize the name. That would probably do it, yeah. Um, so again, there are different loa that oversee different aspects of life, like different specific things. Sort of the closest analog that we, as boring white people, usually have is the idea of the Greco-Roman pantheons being like, oh, this is the goddess of war, but also of owls. Like, oh, yeah. it's that kind of a thing where it's like... <laughs> You know, you're in charge of this thing, this thing, this thing, and also nobody else has claimed this yet, so in your fourth draft pick, I guess you get centipedes, right? Yes. Like, or, like, um, Stolas, the demon, is, like, in charge of, like, mm -hmm. astronomy and then, like, demon stuff and then, like, botany. Like, <laughs> that's just how I picture it, though. I picture it being, like, all the, all the pantheon got together for a meeting and, like, drew straws or, or just, you know, got to go in a certain turn order. And so, you know, all the good things were picked. But by the time you get to, like, the fourth or fifth round, there are still a bunch of nouns to hand out and nobody else has claimed them. So it's like, all right, well, I guess you get um, fertility and luck and also the color chartreuse. I don't know, man. <laughs> exactly. But Papa Legba is roads and pathways and communication. And in the hoodoo tradition specifically, there is a concept or understanding or practice. I don't know the right word to use for this because I am not a practitioner, but basically there is this idea that if you want to become preternaturally good at a task, like a musical instrument or mm -hmm. dancing or cards, you can do specific crossroads rituals to try to invoke a being to bargain with. Oh. It's likely that originally this being was 
a Loire, or possibly specifically Papa Legba. However, once this tradition was subsumed by the Catholic Church or syncretized into a Christian lens, there wasn't really an analog for that. And so any powerful being that wasn't God was pretty much a devil or a demon. Right. And demons are really the only other option that they had to go with, so this idea started to surround it. It's kind of this complicated thing where it came from an initial folk tradition and then was taken into this other folk tradition, which, while still honoring its original practices, didn't have a language that allowed it to honor those traditions. The only language available to them was a language that for lack of a better word, demonized it. Mm -hmm. And so it's been misinterpreted over many, many layers because there just wasn't a word for it. Which, side note, the quickest way to, like, dominate a people and erase their culture is to not give them words to talk about the things that are important to them. Which is one reason why colonialism that specifically focuses on eradicating the native language of an area is effective and terrible. Yes. <laughs> Correct. I'm sorry. That, I don't just have had a... to be, that just had to be said. No, it's, 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 it's right and you should say it. I <laughs> wish I had a more articulate um, way to express my affirmation of that when I, but all I, I can just go, yes. Yeah, anyone who regulates the language that a group of people uses is inherently looking to control them. So just keep that in mind the next time you are being a pedant about grammar. By the way, that's also why uh, you shouldn't be the person who, in the United States of America, a country with no national language, uh, who polices what language people speak to their loved ones or friends in public, just because you can't mm -hmm. understand what they're saying. But that's another conversation. Anyway. Yeah, well, and in terms of, like, native languages of America, there were hundreds, and we got rid of mm -hmm. a lot of them. Yeah, by doing the thing we were just talking about. <laughs> by doing that thing, in case my subtext wasn't clear enough. In any case, please. Um, you already talked some about Robert Johnson, and so I'm not going to dwell on that overlong, but it is definitely worth mentioning if you don't know the original story itself. Robert Johnson was a blues musician, mm -hmm. and according to oral history, was not a particularly good one starting out. In fact, it has been said that he was something of a laughingstock among the people with whom he played. I don't know how accurate that is. I think that's probably some tall tailing after yeah, the fact. Yeah, I really think that and, is. And, like, not in a particularly nice way. You know, basically, was not notable by any means. Mm -hmm. And then at an early point in his career, and it had to be early because he died fairly young, Yeah, made a deal with the devil to become a fantastic blues musician and then did so and then proceeded to like blow everybody away and he is still regarded as one of the greats he was really young when he died mm -hmm. he was only like 27 he was he was one of the first members of the 27 club yeah side note i was gonna say uh this is a totally separate thing but i remember it being something i noticed as a kid because my dad my dad loves blues i grew up learning mm -hmm. a lot about it and hearing a lot of it is like he already he had these like incredibly long fingers that allowed him to play like really really well like really difficult chords on the guitar like, yeah if you, if you look, look at, at any pictures uh i'm envious because i have very small hands and it makes guitar very difficult yeah me too i have little stubby fingers but he had these incredibly long fingers like for the rest of his hands so like i do not believe that he wasn't already good because he already had this like amazing range of motion that a lot of guitar players would like really covet. Have you seen um, one of my favorite episodes of any television ever? <laughs> oh boy. Which is um, The Devil's Hands Are Idle Playthings, which is an episode of Futurama, wherein the robot devil 
basically ends up trading his hands to Fry so he can write a holophoner opera. Mm-mm. It's Buck Wild, but it's an amazing episode of television. I have If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Even if you even if you never watch another episode of Futurama, go watch this one. It's phenomenal. At the time it was written, they thought it might end up being the series finale. Oh wow. And it is just fantastic. Like the back half of the episode just straight up is an opera and it's it's just incredible. But this episode in particular does a really great job both sort of like satirizing, but also very endearingly emulating like the Crossroads Devil kind of idea. Yeah. And it's very fantastic for that reason. Oh, that's great. Because it perfectly encapsulates like everything that the myth is about. You know, it's this person who's kind of desperate and down on their luck and really wants to achieve this one phenomenal work of art or like notoriety in this one area. And so they end up making a deal and the deal backfires. Of course, like the joke in this one is that it backfires specifically on the robot devil, who, in a show of good faith, quote-unquote, puts his own name on the wheel that he's supposed to spin to see who, like, what robot's hands he gets on the deal, and it ends up being his, and so he gives away his robot devil hands, which are the best hands in the universe. And so when you were talking about, like, the super long fingers, like, I was thinking of that, because that was almost definitely a factor in the writing of this episode. But, yeah, then it goes on, and, you know, he ends up writing this incredible work of art and, like, losing the people close to him, and it's it's great. Side note, I just actually double was trying to double check something about a brother where art thou? And uh-huh. I am incorrect about something, which is that I believe that uh, the musician in O Brother Where Art Thou is not based on Robert Johnson. It actually is based on, unrelated to Robert Johnson, another blues musician, Tommy Johnson, who claimed yeah. to have sold his soul to the devil. He actually overtly, to like get more, like as kind of like a publicity stunt, mm-hmm. claims to have sold his st- soul to the devil at the crossroads. So uh, there's more than one <laughs> blues musician in like the... Uh, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s that supposedly sold his soul to the devil. Oh, yeah, 100%. Actually, there's a very good article on Mm MysteriousUniverse.org, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's really, really cool, and I do recommend looking it up. It's just titled The Devil, The Crossroads, and Music Mythology, Mm. which, in case you hadn't guessed, is entirely my jam. I was going to say, they did that for you. They did that for me. They gave me this gift. But yeah, so the first like third of the article sort of lays out for you how rock and roll music is largely founded on the idea of mythology and how even within its own genre there is like a canon lore for a lot of rock stars and Mm -hmm. part of what makes rock and roll so interesting is these larger than life personalities that sort of build on themselves and intentionally market themselves for having these like wild things that have happened yeah or how before we had the ability to document live shows, all you would get would be word of mouth about like the crazy things that happened here or the weird thing that person did. And those things really were a huge part of what would rocket certain people to fame is these ideas of like, oh, you know, I saw this person like do this Buckwild thing on stage. What's the one? Alice Cooper apparently was purported to kill a chicken and drink its blood on stage. Oh, yeah. Or um, Ozzy Osbourne supposedly bit the heads off bats. Yeah. And so before you could prove any of these things and all you had was like maybe grainy footage at best, these things really fed into the idea of like creating these personas and how they evolved and became just like more powerful than they could be as human beings. Mm -hmm. In any case, that all sort of stems back to Robert Johnson. And the article says... Arguably, there is one form of music even more closely associated with myths and mysticism, Rock's spiritual godfather, the blues. 
which I amazing. love the blues. All right. Anyway, the Delta blues musicians of the 1930s and 40s are some of the most important yet elusive figures in the history of our popular culture. Whether you've ever sat and listened to Robert Johnson's body of work, the chances are you've experienced his legacy in the form of his massive influence on Led Zeppelin, The Doors, The Rolling Stones, Eric Clapton, and countless others, which is super true. If you don't know anything about rock and roll or the blues, start by looking up Robert Johnson and Sister Rosetta Tharp, who invented rock and roll. Hell yeah. Do it. You will not regret it. Their music laid the foundation for everything that came afterwards, and you can guess exactly why they don't get the credit they deserve. Mm -hmm. It's... Like, it does not take a rocket scientist. But the rock, I mean, rock and roll is just the blues. That's all yeah. it is. It's a 12-bar blues taken to the next logical extreme under whatever cultural condition was currently happening. Mm -hmm. Side note, I would like to just go ahead and say, uh, while we're talking about blues, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Ma Rainey, one of the founding mothers oh, of yes. blues. By the way, side note, too, if you were one of those people who's like, oh, music nowadays is all about sex and people back in the day, I want you to look up her music and maybe try to find some of her old songs because they are steamy. Oh my god, look up anything yeah. anywhere. There is, But she's like, don't get me started yeah. on like old jazz music because I will go forever. But there, one of my favorite examples of this that people just do not talk about is there is a jazz standard, like a chart that is everywhere called Love for Sale. And Addison, what do you think a song titled Love for Sale is about? Uh, sex work, probably? Yeah, no, exactly. There is a stanza which goes... <laughs> If you wish to buy my wares, follow me right down the stairs. <laughs> Side note, I am going to put a little note at the top of this episode for the people who listen with their children, just so they know that we talk about some sexy things. Timestamp. Sorry for that, me boyos. It's okay. But we didn't do any swears, did we? <laughs> we did not. Anyway, back to MysteriousUniverse.org. <laughs> I just want to talk a little bit about sort of the intrigue of Robert Johnson's life, because he's an interesting figure, even outside of this, like, weird mythology of the devil deal. Oh, yeah. So, despite his titanic influence on the music that would follow, Robert Johnson only ever recorded around two albums worth of material. He died at the age of 27, making him perhaps the first member of the 27 Club. If you don't know what the 27 Club is, it's another piece of sort of rock and roll mythology, which is this idea that several iconic figures have all, weirdly enough, died early at the age of specifically 27. Mm -hmm. um, that includes Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse. Like, mm -hmm. it's wild. And only three photographs of Robert Johnson are known to exist. <gasps> Oh my god. Yeah, that's true. I was Google imaging him a second ago to make sure that I hadn't misremembered mm -hmm. how like long his fingers are. That's like, but do you know what I mean? And and there's mm -hmm. like two pictures. You just get like the same two pictures yeah. over and over again if you Google mm -hmm. image him. Furthermore, the cause of his death and the location of his grave both remain unknown. Oh my god. <laughs> and details of his life are sketchy at best. Small fragments of memories from other musicians who played alongside him as he continued to play and roam the country. So it's little wonder that Robert Johnson should find himself at the center of what is probably the most notorious myth in all of music. Here's the thing. Um, maybe Robert Johnson was just a ghost the whole time. It's possible, but legend has it that while living on a Mississippi plantation, the young and impoverished Robert found his one true longing to be a master of the blues. Unfortunately, he was then a mediocre musician at best and played his guitar and sang his songs for anyone who would listen, failing to make much of an impression or a name for himself. A shadowy figure hearing his plight instructed him to go, guitar in hand, to the Dockery Plantation Crossroads at midnight on a moonless night. Yeah. 
Gotta be on Moonless Night. <laughs> Following these instructions, Johnson was met at the crossroads by the devil in the form of a... And again, we had this same language on um, a recent episode, but a large black man. And it does not mean that he had a dark skin tone. It means that he was like the color of pitch. Right. Like a shadow man. Yeah. Who tuned his guitar and played his own haunting music. When he returned the guitar to Robert, he found he had full mastery of the instrument. The devil having staked a claim to his soul in exchange for this gift. A bargain that would be collected at a later time. And I can imagine there's almost like a... Like, there's a lot to fuel this story, particularly him having died young under mysterious circumstances. Like, mm-hmm. I can really see how over time that's been fueled. I still personally think there's definitely some, like, implications for why someone would want to make an excuse for why this uh, very poor black man would be extremely talented at a thing. But mm-hmm. also, at the same time, the story and the lore of it is so, like, interesting and, like, atmospheric. Oh, yeah. It's also not just that. I mean, that definitely, I'm sure, played into it. I'm sure that the idea that this individual that people did not want to see succeed was talented in a way that was alarming. But in addition to that, there are some politics at play here, and I am not the right person to talk about them at length. Fair. But I will just say that there are some political implications of a young black man playing music that is not gospel music at the time he was playing music. Mm -hmm. So, like, choosing a pathway of this secular music form over the music forms that were considered to be, like, quote-unquote appropriate or, quote-unquote, traditional, like, that is its own kind of thing. Blues music and jazz music and everything that came out of them has always had an association with the devil and an association with sacrilege. Um, Even at times when it is overtly spiritual in nature, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, the saxophone is the only instrument ever banned by the Catholic Church. That is such a wild thing, and I remember you're the person who told it to me, but every time I hear it, it makes me... Shocked. It's nuts. It's just insane. But anyway, so that's definitely also a part of it, right? Oh, totally. It's also worth noticing that the song Crossroads Blues that Robert Johnson recorded, which sort of has fueled a lot of this myth, can be interpreted as, like, I sold my soul to the devil. But it is more likely a sort of blues song about being a young black man and finding yourself late at night on the wrong side of the crossroads and fearing for your life. Like, that is Mm -hmm. what the song is about. So it is definitely important to note all of those things. Again, as I said, I'm not the correct person to talk on them. Fair. Um, But I'm more than happy to contribute the knowledge that I have of music history, which is quite considerable. That's fair. I don't have a lot of that either unless it's musical theater history. So I'm truly my uh, knowledge of music history, particularly blues, comes solely from being raised by my father, who is a blues enthusiast. Mm -hmm. But that is all that I have. Yeah, I did grow up listening to Robert Johnson, though my dad would play his music all the time. So there you go. So now that we've gotten to the part with the actual Crossroads devil, I want to talk about a couple different things. Yeah. Specifically, I kind of want to dive a little bit into Crossroads lore around the world, because Crossroads have this significant spirituality to them everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I was amazed when I found this out because I was not expecting it. I thought this was kind of a uniquely weirdly American thing with roots in, you know, some African cultural traditions, but I was blown away to find that it's like everywhere, like every place that I could possibly find. So just to start listing off some examples, still in the realm of Americana, um, in the 1926 silent film version of Faust, 
Mephistopheles is summoned at a crossroads. Oh my god, okay. This predates the Robert Johnson story. Yeah. And it, that's just an interesting fact. So Faustian bargains, for anyone who doesn't know, are a very similar thing to Crossroads Devil Deals, right? It's this idea that, like, you bargain something for your ambition and lose something very important to yourself in the process. Exactly. Selling your soul to the devil, quote-unquote, is a, a Faustian bargain. It's derived from Dr. Faustus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is... A, an old uh, piece of, if I'm not, I'm sure, I think it might predate that, but there's an old, it's an old play. Uh, there's an old Christopher yeah. Marlowe play mm-hmm. about Dr. Faustus selling his soul to the devil. Continue. Yeah, no, you're fine. I, I'm glad I was able to give you that chance. <laughs> My one bit of knowledge, theater history. Hello, would you like? Uh, there you go. Can I offer you a crumb of theater history? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have texts dating as far back as the 11th century, actually, to tell us that Mercury and Odin were honored at crossroads. Oh my god! That crossroads were sacred sites to these specific deities. Now, it's interesting to note the thing about Mercury, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. He's messenger god. Exactly, yeah. In the Middle Ages, burial traditions included burying criminals and victims of suicide at crossroads, actually. Ah! Did you know that? Ah, I didn't know that. So there are a couple reasons for that. The Mm -hmm. first reason was sort of a matter of practicality. Um, Criminals or victims of suicide were not allowed to be buried in churchyards. Yeah, they couldn't be in consecrated ground. So there needed to be another, like, codified place to put them. Crossroads sort of marked the boundary of a given area, naturally speaking, And also sort of delineated these, like, political no-man's lands, right? So buried outside of the law and outside of the actual village itself, that was really the best place to put them. And that became true of pretty much anybody who wasn't, for whatever reason, able to be buried in, like, a consecrated site. Mm -hmm. Or denied a traditional burial. Crossroads became a site for that. They're this sort of no-man's land. Yeah, and in fact, because of that tradition and subsequent superstition, for a long time in England, gallows used to be erected at crossroads. Oh my god, stop it. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's, I love it. Yeah, this like weird border between life and death and yes, like hell and earth, like it's it's really interesting. No, I'm a little creepy baby who was reading Edgar Allan Poe (laughs) from age eight. This is very much exciting to me. I love this Mm -hmm. weird, morbid, old-timey macabre stuff. Yeah. I'm very... You're going to love this next one. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> so those are all like the practical reasons for burying someone at a crossroads. Uh-huh. But the even more practical reason is that people buried at crossroads are more likely to stay dead. <gasps> oh, Alex. Or, or if they do come back to life and reanimate, they'll get confused by all the different roads and won't be able to find their way back to haunt your village. Oh, Alex. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Ghosts have horrible senses of direction. Yeah. You know what's really going to stop a zombie? Multiple streets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Alex, they can't read the street signs anymore. Their eyes have decayed too much. (laughs) I know, but I just love that so much. It's like, well, yeah, okay, here are all the reasons why we can bury somebody across. But here's the real reason. It's because zombies don't have Google Maps. (laughs) Well, see, here's the thing. If you bury someone at a crossroads now, make sure you don't bury them with their phone. Because <laughs> then they can get back, they can, they can just Google map that. 
Oh, you're so right. Not going to stop zombies anymore. Apple They're Maps. too smart for that. Well, if they use Apple Maps, they will still get lost. Mm, true, but also never mind because you have to have um, like a warm touch to usually use a touch screen. Oh, that's true. Uh, so actually, just kidding. Their sad, necrotic bodies wouldn't be able to <laughs> unlock the touch screen. That's okay. We all know that in hell they use MapQuest anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> in Welsh lore... Um, uh-huh. Pretty much every dangerous spirit that they have in Wales is specifically found at Crossroads, actually. It's very interesting. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, specifically on All Hallows' Eve, every Crossroads is inhabited by spirits of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> like every single one. Like, it's Halloween time, every Crossroads has a dead guy on it. Well, that's also, it's ghost time. It's when the ghosts come out. I know, it's the ghosting hour. Yeah. But that's where they all go. That's where the kicket spot is for spirits on All Hallows' Eve. Yeah. Come to the Crossroads if you want a haunting. <laughs> <laughs> the fairy dog from Welsh lore is also found at Crossroads specifically. I knew you'd sneak a dog in here somehow. Oh, there will be many dogs snuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's the fairy dog? I will sneak many a dog into this podcast. So I didn't do a super deep dive on the fairy dog because it seemed like something maybe to save for a rainy day. But fair. uh, But the fairy dog, basically, the gist of the fairy dog is that it barks three times at you. And if you stick around to hear the third one, bad things will happen. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, There is another Welsh dog whose name I cannot pronounce because I only have one tongue and it is very similar to banshee type lore where it is a a, you know a bringer of doom or a signaler of doom and it also shows up at crossroads yeah all um all Welsh people have two tongues that's a fun fact for me oh yeah at least two the lucky ones have more um (laughs) anyway black shuck in England which we've also talked about before inhabits crossroads frequently I love it there you have it Mm-hmm. In Brazil, werewolves are said to transform between man and wolf at crossroads. Are you kidding? No, that's... Are you kidding me? That's just a cool, weird fact. That's so, so in Brazilian good. Brazilian werewolf lore, apparently, yeah, that is where that transformation happens. And again, it's it really keeps coming back to this idea of crossroads as being spaces of transformation or spaces where the boundaries are thinner or spaces where, you know, getting from one place to another takes on a very metaphorical form as well. It's really, really cool. But that was definitely one of the most interesting facts that I found out. Right. It's an in-between space. I can sort of Mm -hmm. get why those two things would end up aligning. It's just not something I expected going into a conversation about crossroads demons. I know, me either. But I did tell you I would sneak some puppies in. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Now, one of the most interesting ones is actually from Germany. Witches in Germany met at crossroads, which I figured you probably knew. But specifically, at those crossroads in Germany is where you could summon a creature called, and I'm going to mess this up, Der Teufel. Uh Uh-huh. It's D-E-R-T-E-U-F-E-L. Uh-huh. Could be wrong, but I think it's Teufel. Now, Der Teufel is a pagan monster who was syncretized with the devil. So another one of these instances where this creature, originally Der Teufel, was this woodland monster that you could entreat and make deals with. That was like his whole deal. And the way that that specifically worked is that in the old tradition, you could temporarily become his servant for Mm -hmm. some negotiated period of time in exchange for your heart's desire. So you would lay out whatever one thing it is that you wanted more than anything else, 
And in exchange for being his servant for a while, you would get it. It would come true. Oh, my God. Now... It's an unpaid internship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Except you rarely ever get your heart's desire out of an unpaid internship. Fair. Sorry, what? <laughs> I was just going to say that under secretism, once that, that legend was sort of subsumed, that myth changed from being a temporary servant to permanently selling your soul. Oh. <laughs> you know, and it changed from being a woodland monster to just being actual Satan because there was not an analogous figure, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is definitely one that it has some bearing on the Crossroads demon mythos, oh, yeah. I should think. I <laughs> also need you to know, I don't think it came across on the microphone because I have a noise gate on, but as you started to said the phrase witches, like, in Germany, I started breathing so heavily. <laughs> I got so excited. I, I felt it. You know, I didn't <laughs> hear it, but I did, like, my soul heaved with you. Yes, thank you. The, is there anything more to that, or is that just where they meet to hang out and, like, have a girls' night? Oh, no, it's just, like, their, their kick-it spot. Okay. That's just where they do their magic. That's where the hang is. Okay. With a C-K-S on it. Oh, of course. Well, again, it's said that certain magic rituals are more powerful at Crossroads because mm -hmm. that veil is thinner. And so <laughs> yes. if you're looking to commune with spirits or if you are looking to channel energies from the other side or if you are looking to yourself cross over or, like, meet people who have recently crossed over, like, that's the place to do it. You know I am. Mm -hmm. Also, these crossroads deals usually take place either at midnight or just before dawn, because both of those are also liminal times, right? Midnight is like the moment when one day becomes another day mm -hmm. in our reckoning of time, but like just before dawn is when that transition actually happens as well. So both of those are very magically charged yeah. times at these very magically charged spaces. And so much of this symbology is very interesting to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Say? There's actually a young adult series that I was really into in high school called Midnighter by Scott Westerfeld that is takes place in a town in I want to say Arizona or no it might be Oklahoma it's 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 like a deserty area it's been so long since mm -hmm. I've read them but basically the premise is that in this particular town just something to do with where it's located at midnight there is this extra hour where all time stands still and only people who were born at midnight are like still able to consciously exist and move around in that time so there's like five teens that were all born at midnight or whatever and anyway there are these like spirits and creatures that come out are, are, are visible and are there only during this hour because it's when that veil is like broken down it was like one of my favorite book series when i was young yeah that's really neat but yeah it's like there's like i think five teens that were all born at midnight and can therefore like actually move around and exist during this like one like kind of this like hidden hour anyway mm -hmm. that's the midnighters books i really liked them when i was younger i don't know if they hold up or not i haven't read them since i was 16 but that's what that just made me think of i don't know but i hope so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, the last thing I really want to get to is... Yes. <laughs> I was looking for, like, encounters or sightings of Crossroads devils, which was never really going to happen. <laughs> there, was, there was never going to be a timeline in which I was able to type Crossroads devils encounters into Google and get people saying, like, yeah, this is exactly what happened to me. We got a selfie. Though, God, I wish. <sighs> but what I did find... Yeah. Is a beautiful thread on Quora. And if you don't know Quora, <gasps> yes. it's Yahoo Answers less capable cousin. Yes, it is. Oh, I love which Quora. Which is saying a lot. <laughs> but here, let me, let me first give you the tags on this post. The tags are summoning charm spells, summon, and demons, parentheses, malicious preternatural beings. <laughs> you know, okay. those demons. 
specifically like, no nice demons here, malicious only. Mm -hmm. Okay. The question posed here is, how do you summon a crossroad demon? (laughs) Reader, there are nine answers. Oh yeah, please tell me them, all of them. The longest one by far is actually very recent. It was just answered on March 1st, 2019. Okay. Um, And this answer has 649.5 thousand views. Because there are a lot of people looking for this information in this the year 2019. 30,000 of those views are me, Addison Peacock. (laughs) Just now. But in all seriousness. (laughs) Opening this page on every tab. What does it say? And this person also lists their job as expert from 1998 to present. (laughs) Okay, I would like to posit right now that they were born in 1998, and I will be shocked if that's not the truth. Oh, that is almost definitely the truth. But I'm just going to go ahead and read this to you, because there's really no way for me to sum up what this experience of this comment is other than just to put it out here. Take my hand, walk me through. There is no safety in summoning demons, especially for someone never try it before. (laughs) People whom telling you to go ahead and summon demon are just deceiving you and sending you to uncertain future. By succeeding in summoning demon, you are getting to face the (laughs) darkness. No one should try such things. It is wondering that some people don't have nothing to do with spirituality coming here saying, go ahead and do it. Don't answer something you don't know nothing about. Otherwise, you are causing damage to the person who asking. (laughs) My question to you is, why are you trying to summon demons? Do you know how dangerous and risky this stuff could be? Did you ask to the right spiritual experts about the thing you are thinking about? A weak and unstable person like you will be lost from the first minute the demon will manifest in front of you. (laughs) Oh my god! The demon will not give you any chance to correct your actions. In case you perform the right rituals and the demon get your calls and accept it, I swear to you your life will not be the same anymore. You will be just history. Oh my god! (laughs) Tell me how you want to try to summon demons. What aspects or methods you are using? Is it Satanist rituals or just you are reading some fairy tales books? Are you alone? Do your parents knowing what you are doing? (laughs) You might not just hurt yourself. You will also hurt people around you. The demon could choose someone from your family members according to their weakness and aura. Oh my god. Each demon will react according to the situation and the kind of rituals you are performing. It also depends on your aura and mental situation. Demons could react in many different ways. Some of it we call the silent. Others are violently appearing. So it is up to you. We are losing lots of nice young kids lately for the sake of the Satan by performing such evil rituals. Whoa! (laughs) It's a bold claim. (laughs) I need to reread that sentence. We are losing lots of nice young kids lately for the sake of the Satan by performing such evil rituals. Lots of fake and fraud paranormal experts around destroy the spiritual concepts leading to such behavior from young, naive kids. Honestly, the biggest problem facing our youth today is that they keep all trying to summon Satan. This person is like 20. Oh yeah, they're so angry. Um, That went in some very aggressive directions. The full-blown negging of like a weak and insecure person like you. It's not done. Oh God, I genuinely sat back in my chair as if thrown back by an invisible force, but please take me. I know, and I feel bad. Like I'm reading it and when I first started, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I don't feel bad. Like I don't feel right. 
feeling weird about this person because like you know their grammar's not great they may not be a native speaker of english but then they just straight up go to town like verbally assaulting this individual who just asked a one sentence question like there was no information given about like the stupid way they were approaching it there was no reason to believe that this person was putting themselves or their other teen friends in harm's way like there was nothing to indicate that they were ill-informed they just said how do you summon a crossroads demon and this person went off yeah, or to extrapolate that they are a weakened insecure person because they asked yeah, a question on a wild. Yeah, because they asked a question on a questions website. <laughs> yeah, it's insane Please honestly. Take me, give me the rest of it. <laughs> oh yeah, let's just finish this up real quick. I want to just like pour a shot of that out and just knock it back. <laughs> let's go. Most answers I'm seeing around is nearly the same, and everyone wants to be paranormal expert. By reading some fairy tale stories and watching some movies will not make anyone demonologist or paranormal expert. Even the whole concepts and knowledge humans have these days are far away from the reality of spirituality and demonology. So, did a demon write this? Yeah, um... Is my question... They just referred to humans as a separate group. (laughs) (laughs) Even the whole concepts and knowledge humans have these days are far away from the reality of spirituality and demonology. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I think Stolas um, wrote this. I think you're right. Stolas the Owl Demon false, wrote this. False explanations, fake theories, evil rituals are spread. People think that by reading some books written by someone calling himself paranormal expert or just reading some articles from the net about demons will make them experts, but they are doing fatal mistake by thinking so. Oh my god. It's our responsibility toward the human race to explain this knowledge correctly in order to protect the innocents from the satanic influences and to heal their demonic origins illness. Again, if human try to summon or call spirits, he will just attract the evil ones. They are ready to get your calls. Don't bring them to your dimension. Whoa. Mm -hmm. They are ready to get your calls. Uh Operators are standing by. It's our responsibility toward the human race. Okay, so something that is not a human being did write this, because... I was gonna say, my question has become not who wrote this, but what wrote this. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Also, (laughs) I recently watched, because when I can't sleep, this is what I do. I watch, like, clickbait top ten videos. I've talked about it on here before. I recently watched a top ten video uh, from a channel called Most Amazing Top Ten. The video was entitled top 10 demons you should never summon and uh they have these two things that comment and uh that video they have the same energy yeah. top 10 demons you should never summon there any are, of them apparently like the, there are nine answers on this question and they pretty much run the gamut from like this whatever this energy is to the next answer down is just since i'm a supernatural fan i thought i would give this one a look see and then basically just describes how they do it on the show. I was going to say, and on the show... And then oh. this person... Oh, oh on, on the, the show, show to seal the deal? You have, like, this is, the demons... They, they do, they have out, to kiss. Right? Which is why usually <laughs> the so demon dumb. is, like, a hot and sexy lady. Yeah, that's the justification, yeah. right? To make it, like, more, you know, enjoyable for the person making the deal. It's definitely not been that case before. Like, they're when they're summoning a specific demon, like, when, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, like, there was, like, a situation with a specific demon where he was like, and now we have to kiss, and there got to be, like, a kind of offensive no-homo moment of, like, oh, man. And anyway, that's, anyway, oh, cool. that's its own thing. Can I read you one more answer to this quarter Please. question? Oh, I'll be so upset if you don't. This one is much, much shorter and, like, the opposite energy. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. 
If your intention is to learn to play the guitar or any other instrument marvelously, I suggest that you practice a lot and deliver your playing and your inspiration from the almighty creator. Oh boy! <laughs> Depending on which religion you follow, there are specific ways to do this. Like that you are accessing the ultimate power of the universe and don't have to make uneven deals with some lower demonic entity who's power hunger that will eventually enslave you and imprison your consciousness for thousands of years. <laughs> Lose the zero. Get with the hero who won't enslave your consciousness. <laughs> that escalated so quickly from like... If you want to be good at the guitar, you shouldn't take any shortcuts. You should do it the right way. <laughs> by channeling our Lord and Savior and not by imprisoning your conscience for thousands of years from power-hungry demons. <laughs> at first, I thought it was just going to be some very pragmatic advice of, like, if you want to get good at an instrument, instead of selling your soul, just, like, take some lessons. Oh, I'm sorry. On Quora? You wanted good advice on Quora? I was a fool. I was a fool. <laughs> you were weak and the demons will consume you. You're right. I am a weak and insecure person and the demons will smell it immediately. They are waiting for my call. They are waiting for your calls. We have demon operators standing by. See, that's the thing. I am imagining those like old school late night TV ads for like phone sex lines where they're like hot single demons waiting by the phone for you to call five cents a minute <laughs> that's the real reason you have to call demons at midnight because the rest of the night they're so busy oh yeah the, the lines are so full just ringing off the hook but if you really want to get through just before dawn when all of the interns are stuck with the shifts that nobody else wanted because they're not televised i don't know how you think i don't know how you think phone sex lines work but they're not televised no i was thinking i was definitely thinking more like phone banks for like phone okay yeah. fair we went in some different directions, and that's okay. We took that in some very different directions. You know, much like a crossroad leads in different directions. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. What a beautiful way to wrap all that up. So that is my highly inconsistent episode on Crossroads Devils. I had such a great time talking about them, though. And here's the thing. Really quick, before we go anywhere, I gotta say, I feel like it's only fair if we have this conversation that we talk about what if we were going to make an unholy deal at the crossroads which we should not do because Ooh. the demons are waiting for our call uh, and they will enslave your consciousness for thousands of years but what would you strike that bargain oh, for you're so right oh i mean there was definitely a point in time in my life at which i would have for sure 100 percent just like wanted to be the dopest saxophone player but that's not really my scene anymore. I'm not really interested in just, like, being super, super good at it. Mm -hmm. Like, I enjoy what I do, and I think I'm reasonably good at what I do, considering the thousands of dollars and many hours of my life that I will never get back that I invested in it. So I don't know that it's really worth trading my soul again, because I already did that. Fair. Um, hmm... I think, okay, are we talking about, like, selling my soul specifically or, like, becoming Dertoifel's servant for a number of years? I'll let you take that pick, honestly. Okay. Do you have one in mind? Because I'm still kind of rolling mine around. Oh, for me, there there are several things it could be, honestly. Like, if I were being not silly, I would just straight up say, like, I want, like, a long and fulfilling career in the field of my choice. Or, like, perhaps mm -hmm. because I am still 
uh, dealing with a lot of internalized weirdness about my own appearance, maybe I would be like perfect skin forever. But then also actually I feel like my more evolved self might just want to kind of get, and this is something I think hopefully maybe someday I can get on my own, but like the effortless charisma and confidence that many a wealthy white man in the entertainment industry possesses. Damn, all right. See, that is actually the better deal overall because the other two are not specific enough and you would 100% be trapped. That's fair. Like a chosen career in your field, uh, you would straight up just find yourself like in a cornfield, a very fulfilling cornfield. Oh gosh, you're right. And if I didn't you ask for perfect skin, there's no guarantee it's gonna be on your body, sister. Alex, I didn't realize this was a monkey's paw situation. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Did I forget to mention that when you're dealing with demons, you need to be careful? Oh, right. You do need to be careful because it is only the malicious and the evil ones who are waiting <laughs> to steal your soul. <laughs> oh, my God. Play guitar for Jesus. Don't do it this way. <laughs> no, they actually said whatever your deity is. That is true. They were much more open-minded. They didn't do... Yeah, I was going to say, for all the flaws in that response, they did not put any specific... <laughs> that wasn't one of them. You're yeah, right. They didn't put any specific religious expectations on you. That's true. It was actually very refreshing. Um, you know what? This is like such a dumb answer, but I would kill for some Thai Winchester. Don't sell your soul for <laughs> Thai food. God, so many times I've been so close. Though. All right. To be fair, if we're if we're doing that, if we're going that frivolous, <laughs> all right, then like, <laughs> like, can I just like find myself in a meat cute situation with like, uh, who's my current favorite lady friend? From uh, Tessa Thompson. Can Tessa Thompson and I have a romantic comedy meet cute? That's like mine. That's cute. I like that. Thanks. I would still love to have some effortless charisma and confidence, but you know, here we are. I mean, that will probably come if you're dating Tessa Thompson. God, you're so right. She would bring out the best in me and hopefully I in her. Anyway. (laughs) Wow. That's beautiful. Thanks. I wish you many long and happy years together with no monkey paw situation. Before the demon comes to take the soul that I promised. Before the demon comes to take the soul that you promised. Yeah, which could be at any moment, although it's not midnight and it's also not just before dawn. So really, are they even waiting to take your call? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Hard to say. This is when they sleep. Anyway. This has been a Buckwild episode. Thank you so much for sticking through it. If you're still here. I hope you're still here. I hope you are too. If not, we're just kind of talking into the void. And if a podcaster falls in the forest and no one is around, does it still get monetized? Hard to say. Only if Casper Mattress has sponsored it, which they haven't sponsored us yet. They have not sponsored us yet. Neither has So, um, Val just cut that name directly out of that sentence I just said. Oh, yeah. They're not welcome on here until they give us money. <laughs> we are not sending them any more customers. We've sent them many. Their free trial has expired. Mm-hmm. Your free trial of the Cryptic Keeper podcast has expired. To continue having access, please provide one sponsorship. Money, please. <laughs> so, any uh, announcements? Yeah, um, we're doing a live show, folks. Yeah. So that's pretty big. A live show. If you want to get uh, this energy in not just your ears, but your face also, then I guess maybe you want to do If you want to see the stage presence that gave me a mediocre college theater career. Yikes. <laughs> then you can come on down to an, un- an as-of-yet-undetermined venue in Chicago. <laughs> At an un- as-of-yet-undetermined date and time. <laughs> but Val will be there wearing a Jeff the Mongoose cosplay. <laughs> so we can promise that. Um, but no, seriously, in- 
like without any of the weird energy that is coming from two sleepless weeks back to back. Thank you so much to everybody who helped make that possible. I know that there was like a really amazing like 11th hour push from a lot of people and it was beautiful and we were not expecting to make it this soon. So seriously, really, you're all extremely kind and we are so, so flattered by the warm comments we've seen in the Facebook group and in the Patreon Discord where people have straight up already been talking about like planning a road trip. Like so sweet, so, so humbling, good. really just amazing. We cannot wait to meet so many of you who have so long supported us in person. Seriously, it's so much kindness and generosity and love. Just the outpouring of support has been so... And yes, before you ask, I will sign your forehead. I'll sign whatever, as long as you bring a pen, because I'll probably forget. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a pretty good point. Um, Thank you so much, as always, to the aforementioned Valpatrone, our audio wizard. That's become their official title, and it makes me very happy. That's all. It's so dope. Thank you also to the inestimable Andrew Giotta for our theme music and also being a swell dude. Being a swell guy. Yeah. And thank you to our pod home, Lunar Light Studio. If you're not already on that Lunar Light Studio-ish, you should check it out. Subscribe to a few of their other projects. Um, You may have heard us last week hosting The Good Boys Girls, which is a McElroy family fan cast. I think our episode was a lot of fun. Some people seem to like it. Or if you caught our April Fool's Day episode on this feed, you should probably go check out Ink Tank for more of the same. Mm -hmm. You can also check out other great shows on the network. Um, More than I can ever remember to list, but there's uh, Comradical, Netflix and Kill, lots more. (laughs) Ending pending. A lot of good friends. A lot of good friends over on these parts. Thank you so much for everything, for your support as always, for listening, for hanging out with us as things get a little bit weird. And as always, we hope we can keep you around. And stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.